Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hi, everyone. It's Rena Jadav with the Healthier Podcast and founder and CEO of Health Boot Camps. And today I am so excited and so delighted and honored to have with us Dr. Mukta Khalsa, who is the director of Super Health and whose book, Meditations for Addictive Behavior, a System of Yogic Science and Nutritional Formula, is what we're talking about in our book masterclass today. Dr. Mukta, welcome. Thank you so much. So let's talk a little bit about SuperHealth first. SuperHealth is on the cutting edge of recovery protocols. The system combines core technologies of kundalini yoga, meditation, breathing, nutrition restoration, and dietary formula, all as taught by Yogi Bhajan, who we're going to learn a little bit about today. Mm-hmm. I was completely blown away by how remarkable his life and his contributions have been and how little we know about him. So we're going to learn a little bit about him today. And in SuperHealth, participants gain the ancient wisdom of yogic science combined with the innovations of Western medicine to progress from recovery to self-discovery. What's remarkable is that SuperHealth is, of course, an NGO recognized by United Nations, but it is, in fact, the only CEU provider integrating yogic science into the medical community and mainstream society for recovery. I'm so excited to welcome you. Dr. Mukta, we're talking about your book. Let's start first with, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you become Dr. Mukta Khalsa? <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on this show. I'm very excited. Well, it's been a process. And um, without seeking, I haphazardly, accidentally met Yogi Bhajan when I was 20 years old in Los wow. Angeles. And he had just arrived uh, to America and began teaching yoga. I had really never heard of it before, but I was young. I was curious enough to attend the classes, and I was blown away. I had never experienced anything like this before. That's incredible. And are you the founder of SuperHealth? What's the origin of SuperHealth? Yes. um, Well, of course, all the technology um, he gave Uh, very, very freely because when he arrived here in America in 1969, he saw a lot of youth, uh, especially the youth, uh, using a lot of drugs. They were seeking a spiritual experience. They just didn't know how to go about to to get that. And so they found a spiritual awakening. However, it was in drugs. It was in a lot of hallucinogens. And so it did Um, give them that experience, but very unnaturally with this pill. And when he came on the scene, the first thing he said was drugs are a drag. He never supported the illegal use. Now, of course, that's different from medication, but the illegal use of drugs, he said, now you have to do it on your own. And Kundalini Yoga became a vehicle to help people to achieve that state of feeling good, that high, so you call it, that they were seeking, but in a natural, healthy way. I have to share my own experience at this point. For those of you who are wondering if Kundalini Yoga is real, yes, it is. And while I didn't have the privilege of learning it 
with Yogi Pajan or with Dr. Mukta Khalsa, um, I did learn it via Sadhguru, and I do experience a ridiculous buzz and high every morning to the point where I'm giggling and joyous and loving just being alive. And every one of you needs to experience this. It is a high like no drug, no alcohol can give you. I've not had a drink in over two and a half years, and I can tell you the high that I get from this Kundalini Yoga experience is outweighs, outbeats any of those highs. Um, so it is real, because often I'm asked, eh, I think it's all made up, Kundalini Yoga, who's, who's even experienced it? I've, got, I've done it. Yeah, it's, it's very, very real. And when you yes. think about it, you know, the, the quote-unquote high that you speak of, it's just simply many times we experience that just through the breathing. Once you begin to, te to uh, learn how to breathe long and deeply, taking more oxygen beginning at the abdomen, this goes to your head, to your brain, and so it's enlivening. It gives you a spiritual experience or um, just a lighter experience because that's food for your brain is oxygen. So it's not so mysterious. It actually, like you said, it does work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get started with Chapter 1, Yogi Bhajan. Tell our listeners a little bit about this brilliant, remarkable spiritual avatar. Yes. Well, um, Yogi Bhajan came to the United States in the very late 1960s. He had been a master of Kundalini Yoga at that point. Um, but what that actually meant, he was still to discover himself. And so, like I mentioned, he found a lot of these young people, particularly the youth, were attracted to him because they were seeking that spiritual experience. And so, they would begin to attend the yoga classes, learn how to meditate. And very soon after he kept repeating the mantra, drugs are a drag, uh, people did slowly start leaving the drugs and begin to practice more of the yoga in a healthy way. And so they had their own experience. And so um, the teachings made sense to them because uh, it wasn't somebody just telling them what to do, but they had their own personal uh, reality of this is how it makes me feel, and I like this, and I'd like to do more of it. Let's talk a little bit about the recognition that he received. Yes, well, um, he was very, very beloved, and he would meet with any and everyone. He would meet with religious leaders, he would meet with politicians, he would meet with Hollywood, Bollywood folks, he would meet with anyone who was willing to talk to him. He would befriend them all. And so when he did pass away in 2004, this had only been done four times before by any kind of religious leader. There was a joint congressional resolution that honored his life. And the four other, the three other people were Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, and Pope John Paul II, and now Yogi Bhajan. And so this was honored both in both chambers in the Senate, the U.S. Senate, as well as the House of Representatives in Washington, honoring his life's work. That's absolutely remarkable for him to be one of the four amazing other uh, individuals, other spiritual souls that have been recognized. Quite remarkable. Even in our road in New Mexico, which is where I lived, which is where 
he lived the latter part of his life. Um, it, uh, the governor, who was very, very good friends with him, mm. named the road after he passed away, Yogi Bhajan Memorial Highway. So if you come here to New Mexico, in northern New Mexico, you'll have the opportunity to travel on Yogi Bhajan Memorial Highway. I'm looking forward to that. All right, chapter two, Kundalini Yoga. Tell our listeners a little bit about what exactly is Kundalini Yoga. Yes, Kundalini Yoga is called the Yoga of Awareness. Uh, there are many, many kinds of different yogas. This particular yoga is not only about physical postures and breathing, but it's also about awareness. It's about consciousness. You know, to, to be very honest with you, you could do yoga, any kind of yoga, and you could do each posture perfectly, but you could still be an idiot. Excuse <laughs> me. But an idiot in, in your caliber, in your character as a person, in the decisions you make, how you communicate, all this is also a part of you. So it's not just a physical postures and how well you do it. It's not like yoga Olympics. Each one of us has the ability to do some postures better than others. Even if you do it in a chair, it's absolutely fine. But what that does is it gives you a greater sense of awareness or consciousness. You begin not only to think about yourself or only about yourself and your family, which of course is very important, but then you begin to extend out to others. You care about other people as well as just yourself or only your immediate family. So it's a conscious effort, and that's what Kundalini Yoga means, the yoga of awareness, physical, mental, and spiritual. And often we are told that Kundalini is equivalent to a coiled snake in the base of, of our spine. And Kundalini Yoga is a method or a technology to really release that energy that's been dormant or latent. Is, is that true? Yes, it is. It's like when you think about it, we are born intuitively sensitive. If you've ever been around an infant, you'll see how very highly sensitized they are. The crown, the top part of their head is soft. It's, it's very open and this is what we call a chakra, a source of energy. And so, you know, even their eyes flutter. If there's a sound or a noise that is um, offensive, they communicate, they'll cry. This, this is the way they talk, they communicate. And so what happens is as adults, this intuition basically shuts down. Why? Because our environment many times is not conducive to that. We have so many noises, you know, in the, especially in the city where there is loud honking and traffic and noises and loud music that it kind of is very, very harsh to the sensitive ear. And so that sensitivity of intuition starts to shut down. One of the byproducts of Kundalini Yoga is like you call that awakening of your uh, intuition. It's kind of like a sixth sense where you just know. You just, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced at one time or another a sense of, oh, I have a feeling about this. Now, the question is, do we follow it? Do we trust it? And that's what also the practice of the yoga and as we work on our awareness 
it, it enables us to trust that and to try. And if you have that sense, we'll try, go with it, even though analytically, intellectually, it might not make sense. But many times it just works out if you just trust that. So it's, a, it's also very, very sensitive. And that's something like about what you just asked with the, uh, the snake, the uncoiling of that energy, the spiritual energy or intuition. So it's a great way for those who are interested in heightening their intuition, whether it's for business success, personal success, social success. It's just, it's a great tool or great technology as it's called to really help you develop those skills, develop that intuition. Um, how long do you have to practice Kundalini? Do you practice every single day? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, that's my goal too. Yes. <laughs> We're all human. Yes, yes. How often should someone be practicing Kundalini Yoga to maximize its benefits? Well, you know, in a perfect situation, it's, it's best to do it daily because to tell you the truth, from day to day, we forget. We Absolutely. forget our we go to sleep, we have the pressures of everyday life, of work and personal pressures, and it, we kind of forget things. And so every day we try to discipline ourselves physically. Okay, let me just sit here and just do some breathing, do some stretching, you know, loosen up, and then let me just sit with myself. This would, with the meditations, what that gives is a mental self-control. Basically, you don't have yourself unless you have the ability to mentally just control yourself. So true. And, you know, it's not, it's not being taught anywhere. We have the finest degrees all over our wall, and we're not even taught how to focus, how to be decisive, how to be clear, how to be intuitively sensitive. We don't learn this. And so it's a, it's a great asset to just have that discipline and just sit with yourself and do whether it's a breath meditation or just a, a sound, even through music, whatever it is, it gives us the opportunity to just relax, just be with yourself. Your mind will definitely um, sometimes bucket that. It will, um, it will try to fight it and make excuses. Every day. Every day, every day we battle that. There's a reason not to do it. Every day. And the excuses are You have to be stronger than your strongest yeah. excuse. They're the most fabulous excuses you ever want, you know, because the ego is that strong. Yeah. But if you make a commitment, even to within yourself, I'm going to do this for a, this week or 40 days, whatever it is, you know, can you do that? Can you conquer your own mind and sit with the fickleness of your mind and the fidgetiness of your body and just sit there and just do it. It's a and training. Dr. And Dr. Mukta, you know, we're talking about yogic science for addictive behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that even something like meditating every day or doing Kundalini yoga every single day is an art form of training that muscle in your mind mm -hmm. to follow your orders. Because I think to a large extent, addictive behavior is your mind run amok and <laughs> sort of, right? It's your mind's controlling you and you've confused yourself as your mind. Mm -hmm. And so telling your mind, no, we are going to sit and do this 
itself is a phenomenal training as far as I'm concerned. So I do it every morning and I'm not joking. Every morning, my brain has a reason to not do it. Every morning people ask me, how do you do it? And I kind of always say, well, I just do it. But it's really not that simple. I'll be brushing my teeth and going, oh, I should really get on and do this or I should really start working on that or oh my God, I have to do this. I'll come up with 20 reasons why I don't have 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I have trained myself to say, everything can wait, I'm gonna go sit down. And for me, it's because I realized that the days that I don't do it, I get reprogrammed into the muck that we are surrounded with. The media is retraining us every single day to do everything wrong, <laughs> to eat the wrong foods and say the wrong things and think the wrong thoughts and a couple of days without meditation and I find myself falling into the same trap. And so I quickly tell myself, oh gosh, no, I gotta get back and meditate mm -hmm. because I need, I need to be in control. And so for me, meditation has... When you think about addictive behavior, and it's not just substances, it's also the way we think, the way we act, all that is also an addiction. Yes. But you know, many times we think of it as a physical thing. It's no, it's also psychological. Yes. And to tell you the truth, that's really where the problem is. I mean, physically you could you could go, you know, detox or cleanse your 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 body, your nervous system in just a few days. However, the mind, the psychological addiction, the urge, the triggers that get set, all these mental excuses, all that's where the real problem is. So once you go through this mental training every day and that commitment, you, you've got half of it right there because you could learn to command your mind. When you think about it, if you're going to pick up what, whatever your drug of choice is, it could even be food. That could be your drug of choice. It's not just a substance or alcohol as we think about it or a cigarette. It could be food. It could be anything. But once you pick that up, the first thing before that action comes the thought to pick it up. Then comes your hand reaching for it. So if you could control that initial thought, I must go get a cookie, a cookie, whatever it is, a drink, a cookie, a cigarette, you know. It, even gambling or I must go to the casino, whatever it is, whatever, like I said, your drug of choice is, if you could command that original mind, that first thought, I must go, you've got it. You've got it. But it's a training, it's a commitment, and it's every day. Even if you miss one day, you don't stop. It's tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And every day you fight with yourself and every day you do it. And after a while, the mental conversation becomes a little bit softer, a little bit less. Mm -hmm. And you just know I'm committed to this no matter what. And sometimes it's the most grueling experience. You can't stop moving. You can't stop thinking. That's normal. That's absolutely normal. But you don't compromise whether I'm going to do it or not. Or you get up in the middle because my mind is all over the place. Your mind is always all over the place. Yes. It's a training. Yes, it is. All right, chapters three and four, breathing and meditation. Tell us a little bit about the core science behind breathing and meditation. And then we're going to dive into the actual meditation. Yes. And, okay, so we are born by the breath. When we are, are during our birth, the, the doctors, the midwives, the first thing they're concerned about is, is the child breathing properly? 
That's the first concern. Now, take the man all the way on his deathbed. With all the money and power he has, what is he gasping for? Breath. That last breath. So we realize it's the most important thing in the beginning. It's the most important thing at the end. And for some reason in between, which is where we all are, we get amnesia. We forget. <laughs> we forget about the importance of this breath of life. And so the way you breathe affects your state of mind. You'll notice that a very angry, anxious person, how are they breathing? Usually their breath is very erratic. It's very rapid. It's very irregular. And you'll also notice that a very calm, non-reactive person is breathing long and deeply. And so the way you breathe affects your state of mind. As we said, this is food for your brain. And so we begin to breathe from the abdomen, from the navel point. It might seem unusual, but once you concentrate on moving with the abdomen, this much more oxygen comes in to your head, to your brain. So it gives you a conscious awareness and experience, especially in day-to-day -day life, when you feel yourself getting anxious and reactive, that's the moment to start remembering to breathe long and deeply. Once you could capture that long, deep breath in the most reactive, challenging situations, you've got it. You're in command because more oxygen will go to your brain. You're able to think clear. You're not going to be reactive, but you're going to act effectively. That's the value of the way we breathe. And how about meditation? By the way, before we dive into that, I have to mention sleep apnea is on the rise. If you look at the science behind um, a lot of the issues people have, they started testing for something called sleep apnea, and they found that sleep apnea is real, where people sort of almost stop breathing at night. Now there's these contraptions and these devices that you have to get hooked up. We have a friend, dear friend, who has sleep apnea, and so I've learned a little bit about sleep apnea through that. I myself somehow sometimes feel I wake up gasping for air, and to your point, breathing is life, and if you're not breathing when you're sleeping, that's even a bigger issue. But what's worse is if you're not breathing in your waking hours. So I, I couldn't agree more. Breathing is, is instrumental. What about meditation? Meditation is, like we said, for mental self-control. If you don't have the ability to control your mind, you don't have yourself. You're completely in control and vulnerable to every, either other people's opinion or what the media is telling you or what some billboard is showing you, or what some advertisement is trying to, you know, in, induce you or convince you to, to purchase. You don't have yourself. All answers lie within. Look, you have your own questions. You also ultimately have your own answers. Who knows you better than you? What am I going to tell you about you? But so many times, People can't figure out, well, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do, you tell me what to do. Okay, again, it's a process. It's a process of training the mind, even if you experience one moment of that mental quietness, 
Mm-hmm. That's where your answer lies. In that moment, that's where your answer lies, where you just know what I'm to do. And if you don't know at that time, you know what? Don't do anything and just wait and have the ability to be patient, not impetuous, not mm-hmm. jumpy. I got. I have to do something. No, no, no. Unless something is, of course, crisis or critical, just wait. Patience is also a virtue. And so just wait until it reveals itself what you're supposed to do and proceed. But many times we get impatient and we want to just do what we want to do. Yes. And many times we end, on, we end upside down and then we wonder why we're miserable because we may have forced a situation that we had to have happen. Maybe it wasn't supposed to happen today. Can you wait tomorrow? Maybe it's in your best interest just to deep breathe and just wait. Just be sure that this is what you're supposed to do. Then proceed. Go, stop. You'll be directed. All answers lie within through the ability to control and discipline your mind. That's what mental meditation is. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's do chapter five, create a positive habit. What is the essence of that chapter? Create a positive habits. Now, not all habits are destructive. Some habits are very good. Like if I commit to do a meditation, I develop a habit. That's a, that's a habit that's serving you. Obviously, those are the ones you want to keep. But there are some habits that are mischievous and they get us in trouble. <laughs> it could be anything. It could be like uh, reaching for you know, a cigarette and then it affects your health. It could be like overeating or eating the foods that, you know, that uh, you're allergic to or you get a reaction. It could be to a substance. It could be to anything. It could even be to behavioral. It could be to the way your mind thinks and perhaps you always, you always go to the negative. That's not possible. I can't do that. That's not going to work. Do you know people like that? Sometimes they always go negative or they're always worried. Yes. Oh, yes. Many people like that. And I think the older we get, the more negative we seem to get. Absolutely. It's what you call imprinting. Yes. You know, we're programmed. Yes. It's like a computer. We get programmed to, to function in one way until that very wonderful day uh, happens and it's like I could reprogram this I could reprogram this computer chip in my brain so that it serves me so that the habits are constructive rather than destructive and so you can make an analysis of your own life and which ones you want to maintain and which ones you want to take a look at mm-hmm. and know that there's the ability to facilitate that change, the right and left hemisphere of the brain must be in balance. That's what it does. Beautiful. All right, chapter six, crisis as a blessing. What is the essence of that? Many times when we're challenged, we don't like that. Nobody does. We don't like to be challenged. However, life is challenging, and that's a reality. Things happen. It's called life. They happen. The question is, how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to fall apart? Are you going to have a nervous breakdown? Are you going to jump out the window? 
How are you going to deal with things that happen that you don't like or that you're not in control of? What this does is it develops grit. What I mean by grit is your inner strength. Not how well you can work out at the gym or how many weights you can lift. That's great, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about inner strength, the ability to be non-reactive, ability to be able to withstand pressures and stress of the time and still prevail and still make good conscious decisions of a man or a woman of caliber. That's what we're talking about. And so when we go through situations like this, it's very difficult, but we come out stronger than when we went into it. It's almost like a new person, but it's a new and improved version of you. Very, very true. I had two health crises, and I can, again, share from my own experience. I feel sometimes crisis is the way of the universe to put us in a new direction. And if we're not open to listening, then we just keep experiencing crisis over and over again because we're just not listening and, and moving into the new path. I feel for me personally, you know, my crisis led me to this, led me to health boot camps and wanting to commit the rest of my life to sharing the truth about health. And so I feel like in every crisis, there is a learning. And if, if we start treating our crisis that way, you know, when something terrible, terrible happens, instead of thinking, everyone hates me, God hates me, mm -hmm. you know, that this is all coming to an end, we say, okay, why is, what's happening? What's the message here? What am I listening? What am I not listening to? Mm -hmm. And what am I supposed to do in this storm? I think there's, everyone will realize that, that crises truly are moments of journey into joy. That's how I look at it. Exactly. If you see it as an opportunity then um, life becomes a, just a happier person. Yes. Becomes a happier person because things do happen. And actually, when we're talking about all this training, the physical training, the mental training, it's in preparation for that moment. That so moment, true. the challenge happens. So true. So true. So it's a, it's a, like you said, it's boot camp. It's a training. So when that situation happens, that pressurizes us to such an extent that... I, I know I can't jump out the window. I know I can't have a nervous breakdown. So what are the tools that I have that I've been practicing and learning? Even if there's one thing, one thing, that's the time to do it. That's the time to definitely sit down and get real with yourself and sit there and just command yourself. You know, you make such an important point about um, either I can't jump out the window or I can't have a nervous breakdown. Well, we're, we're living in a nation that's having, again, an extreme rise in the number of suicides. And we're starting to see this, especially in teens. We're starting to see a rise in, in teen suicides. And same goes with anxiety and depression. I mean, as you know, that's one of the number one challenges we face these days is the whole anxiety, depression, suicide trifecta. And to your point, um, imagine having the technology to be able to be in the middle of a crisis and say, I have no reason to jump out of a window. I have absolutely no reason to have a meltdown just because this happened, because I'm ready for this. 
Mm-hmm. I, I love how you positioned that. I love how you are saying, look, treat this experience of meditation and, and Kundalini yoga and breathing right as a way to strengthen yourself to get ready for that. Because guess what? That's life. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Whether you want a crisis or not, it's coming. Right. And so why not be prepared for it? Or as you know, surfers say, right, get ready for that wave, get ready to ride that wave mm-hmm. and ride it smiling instead of giving up. So well, that's beautiful. I, I love, I love how you shared that. So let's dive in. <laughs> All right. So let's get into, you have some 12 brilliant meditations and we're going to go through each one of them and if you are listening to this as a podcast please note that this is a video interview that you you can go to the health boot camps youtube channel and in fact go through each of the meditations individually as a podcast we're going to give you this entire recording once however you can go to youtube and access the parts of this interview that you are enjoying. You can listen to them over and over again by watching it on video. All right, Dr. Mukta, let's get started with the first meditation, which is the healthy, happy, holy breath. Yes, okay, this is wonderful. So um, I must preface that when we say um, healthy, if you're healthy, you'll probably be happy. If you're healthy and happy, you become holy. And by holy, it means wholesome, wholeness, physically, mentally, and spiritually in balance. So that's the definition. And how, uh, how we do this is that your hands are in what's called Gyanmudra, where your index finger is touching your thumb, and you just sit perfectly straight. You could either sit on the floor in cross-like position or in a chair. Try to keep your spine straight. And all you're going to do is you're going to inhale deeply, mentally, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I. Now all that is mentally to yourself. And then you will exhale and then three times, this time aloud. Healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I. Healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I. Healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I. This is the self-healing mantra. It empowers us and enhances our self-control and our ability to carry out our intentions. We have the right to be happy and at peace with ourselves. So, If you would like to just do this for just one time, we could do it together. Again, sit comfortably, inhale deeply, and mentally, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I. Exhale, and now aloud, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I, healthy am I, happy am I, holy am I. And now inhale deeply, completely fill the lungs with the breath. Exhale and relax. And just sit in silence for a moment and completely relax. Simple, but most effective. So beautiful, so calming. How can you not feel better after having just repeated that mantra? 
It's nothing more than not only the mantra, but you're using the breath. You know, we're born by the breath, we live by the breath, and we shall die by the breath. And when we learn to control the breath, we become masters of ourselves. Nobody else is our master. Ultimately, we are the master of ourselves. Beautiful. Okay. I like to keep things very, very simple. Sometimes we complicate things so much. Just keep it simple. It works. But just do it. Do anything. It'll work. Exactly. Look at E is equal to MC square. We don't need complex things to explain ourselves. It's, it's actually all very, very simple. But uh, it's the mind saying, how can it be so simple? I have to complicate it. Exactly. You know, and you actually had asked me a question earlier. It was like, what was your motivation to, to put this book together? Actually, my motivation was to, first of all, that it was safe. That it was so simple, it wasn't over anyone's head. Anyone could read this, not feel intimidated, not feel like, I don't understand what this means. That it was for everyone. And again, if a person just practices any one of these meditations, and but keep the consistency, do it for a few days, do it for a week, make a consistent effort, it will work. So there's something very unique on each of these different meditations. And as you can see, we also incorporate nutrition. Water is the first one. And for cleansing the body of toxins, balancing emotions, and calming the nervous system, sip up to two quarts every day. Water is your best friend. I love that. All right. Next meditation which is the breath for energy. Breath for energy, this is a great one. Also very, very simple. This meditation helps to overcome anxiety, confusion and commotions of the mind through conscious breathing. It connects us with our inner selves and allows us to experience a power greater than ourselves. This will positively affect our state of mind. The position is your right hand is your positive polarity. Your left hand is your negative polarity. When they're pressed together at the heart center, it has a calming, neutralizing effect on the body. Some people call this prayer pose. Just sit comfortably. And this time, what we're going to do is you're going to inhale through the nose in four equal parts like sniffs like this and then exhale in four equal parts sniffs so inhale four equal parts exhale and now on each of the sniffs try to move the navel point I realize it might seem unusual and difficult, but just try it and go slowly. So try to get familiar with this action. You're going to inhale in five equal snips. Exhale. And trying to move powerfully through the navel point, pulling that in. This is breath for energy. 
we would do that three to five minutes and then you'll hold the breath at the end and then relax. This will help to overcome anxiety, confusions and commotions of the mind. Why? More oxygen is going to the brain and you're able to think clearer. Simple. Lovely. Meditation three, God and me, me and God are one. Okay, so this particular mantra helps to affirm that God is within. God's creation, as God's creation, we are all one. Now, whether you call it God, you call it creator, you call it universal energy, doesn't matter. All we have to know is that something has created us. So for convenience, we can call it God. But the creator and the creation is one. When we remember that, that is our greatness. When we forget that is when all the problems seem so insurmountable. This one, we're going to maintain that prayer pose with the positive, negative coming together at the heart center. Press them together. Eyes are closed. And this time in a monotone, the mantra, God and me, me and God are one. God and me, me and God are one. Me and God, God and me are one. As God's creation, we are all one. Say this out loud with conscious conviction. Feel it. Only three minutes, and then you'll inhale deeply, hold the breath, exhale, and relax. It's interesting that this is a meditation which reaffirms that God is within, because we are raised to believe that God is without, God is outside, God is someone above, unreachable. When you look at religions, the way religions are practiced. I'm leaving Sikhism out of it. I'm a Sikh as well, so we're gonna leave Sikhism out of it. However, um, for, for most religions, you know, God is the supreme being, and it's someone um, like the Father that we are you know, going to do good things, so we, we are not punished. And we're going to do sacrifices and we're going to do, you know, you think of Hinduism in terms of the things that we do. Um, so it's, it's a very tough meditation, I think, for people that are raised to believe that God is not inside, that God is someone that you aspire to. But in my own experience, I will share that um, whatever from the Kundalini energy experience, from having listened to other discourses, if you think of God as an energy and not as a person exactly. that looks like us. Yeah, exactly. Right? God doesn't look like us. He doesn't have two eyes or she doesn't have, you know, two eyes and long hair. Um, if you think of God as to your beginning point as an energy, well, then we're energy. You know, a plant is an energy. Anything that's an energy is a manifestation of God. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I couldn't agree with you more. It's like, again, in keeping things simple and leaving religion where it is, just in our simplicity, when we are born, we're infused this breath of life. 
this breath, if this breath is not coming in, forget it. End of story. There's nothing else to talk about. That's it. There is no life without this breath. Something, someone, some energy infuses this breath of life. This breath serves us committedly every moment of the day. Even at night when we go to sleep and we're completely unconscious and we're snoring and dreaming away, we wake up in the morning. Look how devoted this breath is to us. It's still coming in and it's still going out. When we were dreaming, snoring, how does this happen? This is what we call proof that God dwells within us through the, the beauty and the power and the devotion of the breath serving this human being. And like I said before, we, we forget. We get amnesia, temporary amnesia, and everything else becomes so important. Our money becomes our God. Our power becomes our God. Our great beauty, which is only a gift, becomes our God. And we get amnesia and we forget the creator and the creation are one. So much so we forget that, you know, if unfortunate situation happens, a truck is coming at you, people, what do they say? Oh, my God. You know, at that last moment, oh, my God, there's a truck coming. That's, that's when you remember God. <laughs> the time when this truck is coming at you. You know, so when things are the darkest, that's when we get really spiritual. We don't have to wait. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Just know that you have been infused this very beautiful breath of life that serves you very dedicatedly and very devotedly every waking and even unconscious moment of the day it serves you. Everything is okay as long as the breath is coming in and the breath is going out. That is the first priority to life is the breath. Beautiful. All right. The next meditation, meditation four, which is stress relief and clearing emotions. Okay, I love this one. This one is useful in dealing with stress, difficult relationships, past family issues, and unresolved emotional conflicts. Now, you may be saying, well, I have all of these. <laughs> Most people <laughs> yes, people do, because that is part of living life. Dealing with stress, dealing with difficult relationships, with past family issues, and unresolved emotional conflicts. Normally, they're so overwhelming, it's like, what to do? What do I do with all this stuff? There's a way out. And it doesn't necessarily mean we have to keep talking about it and keep thinking about it and keep rehashing it with no resolve. There is a way out. So this simple meditation is stress relief and clearing emotions of the past. Not to get rid of our emotions. That's not possible. But what we do, it's like a pipeline. We take our emotions and hold them to devotion at your heart. So we're pipelining that energy. So each pad of the corresponding fingers are going to touch very lightly at the heart center. Now this time, your eyes are going to be slightly closed. 
nine-tenths closed and just barely open and just try to see the tip of the nose. This is what we call the eye of intuition. And all we're going to do is inhale five seconds, hold five seconds, and exhale five seconds. All right, and you could practice this. You could begin even from one minute to 11 minutes. So let me lead you in a one minute meditation with this, okay? So if you feel comfortable, come into this posture, close your eyes nine tenths with just barely open and try to look at the tip of the nose. And now you're going to inhale, Inhale, a full five seconds. Inhale deeply, deep, and now hold the breath. Hold it, lock it, and very slowly now exhale, exhale, exhale. Inhale deeply, deep, 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 and hold it, hold it, hold it. And very, very slowly now exhale, exhale, exhale. Inhale deeply, deep, 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 and hold. Hold it, lock it, exhale, and please relax. Very, very simple, very, very beautiful way to channel and to direct the energy of emotional upheaval or discomfort relationships or stress in our age of overload and information overload to be able to deal with it effectively. Wonderful, simple meditation. Beautiful. All right, meditation number five, meditation to conquer self-animosity. Okay, this is a very beautiful one. Our greatest enemy is our mind. A self-defeating attitude and self-animosity exists when we do not accept ourselves. This meditation enhances the capacity to confront and experience the self in relationship to God. So sometimes we have these feelings of self-hatred or vengeance upon ourselves, And we don't need enemies because we become our greatest enemy. This is no longer acceptable because this is where we'll begin to conquer the mind and let go of any kind of self-animosity to become a loving person toward ourselves first and foremost. So the posture in this one is your knuckles are going to be touched and your thumb straight up like this. And this is going to be comfortable at the heart. So just sit comfortably, keep your elbows up slightly, the knuckles are touching, the thumbs are up. Make sure they don't droop. And now you could touch the thumbs together. And in this posture, just sit as comfortably as you can. And what we're going to do is we're going to inhale fully through the nose and then exhale completely through the mouth. And then you're going to inhale through the mouth and exhale through the nose. Okay, so it's inhaling through the nose, exhale through the mouth. Inhale through the mouth, exhale through the nose. Inhale through the nose, 
Exhale through the mouth. Inhale through the mouth. And exhale through the nose. And please continue this as you listen to this very, very sweet and beautiful music. Just continue for a moment. Let any self-animosity go. It no longer serves you. And now please inhale deeply and stretch your arms overhead. Stretch, stretch, stretch. Exhale. And now inhale again and keep stretching. Exhale. And one last time, inhale deeply. Stretch your spine. Stretch, stretch, stretch your arms and completely relax. Beautiful. So calming, so beautiful. Thank you so much for that. All right, meditation six, self-blessing meditation. This meditation frees us from guilt, blame, shame, resentment, and bitterness. By blessing ourselves, God immediately and spontaneously blesses us. When you think about it, this guilt, blame, shame, resentment, these are very, very heavy, difficult loads that we end up carrying. And many times, they're not even ours. Things happen, people do things, people say things to us. And it has its bearing upon us. And sometimes we think it's even ours. Sometimes maybe it is ours, but it no longer serves us the weight of the blame, shame game or resentment. This very beautiful meditation, now we have the opportunity to just spontaneously let it go and let God immediately bless us as we do this. So the left hand is going to be palms down at the heart level. And the right arm is like over your aura, your protective force, over your head. And this time out loud in a monotone, the mantra, I bless myself, 
I bless myself. I bless myself. I am, I am. I bless myself. I bless myself. I bless myself. I am, I am. I bless myself. I bless myself. I bless myself. I am, I am. And just keep doing this just for a few more seconds. The hand over your head is like your crown, your royalty. Why not? Hold the posture. Try not to move. Command yourself. We could simply practice this for three minutes. And then to end, inhale deeply, hold the breath, and repeat the mantra mentally. I bless myself, I bless myself, I bless myself, I am, I am. Exhale. Repeat the sequence two more times. I bless myself, I bless myself, I bless myself, I am, I am. I bless myself, I bless myself. I bless myself, I am, I am. Exhale and relax. Oh, that is so, so calming, so nourishing. And, you know, we, we forget sometimes how important blessings are in our life. Mm-hmm. And there is someone named Christine Klosser, and she's done a lot of YouTube videos on the power of blessing. And she jokes about how when she blesses, her energy level goes up, her vibration goes up. And she talks about sort of layers of, of vibration and how we can function at different levels of vibration and how the highest vibration you can reach is by blessing something. And so she says in the morning, as I go about my day, I go about blessing things. I'm like, I bless you plant and I bless you tree and I bless you mailbox. And, you know, she's like, I just bless everything in sight because I know by blessing others, that's actually coming right back to me and that it's raising my vibrations so I can function from a place of purity and from a place of resonance. Exactly. And, exactly. And it's so simple. It's called an attitude of gratitude, yeah. an attitude of grace, seeing what is rather than what is not. Sometimes we talk about having a glass of water. Do you see it as half empty or half full? Do you see what's missing or do you see the blessing of what I do have? So it's all an attitude of our thinking and an attitude of life. And so it becomes so much more enriched and prosperous and healthy. And if I constantly see things negatively or what I don't have and bitter, then it makes life very uh, difficult and hardships. Everything is difficult and hard rather than seeing what is. The glass is half full. I have a half full glass of water. What a great thing. So, so much of it is making sure we have our right attitude. An attitude of gratitude is the greatest, the greatest blessing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I've got a little um, corollary to the half glass, full glass, empty. Mm-hmm. I always say, 
instead of thinking of it as full or empty, just say, I have a glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um, you have water. There are people who don't have clean, pure water. So we've, we've become so used to kind of looking at things in continuums as opposed to just the fact that I have it. Like I have a pillow. That's good enough. There's people that don't have pillows. Mm. And if you've ever gone camping, you know when you come back, it's the first thing you are grateful for is that you have a bed mm-hmm. and you have a blanket. And what mm-hmm. more do you want in life? It, you know, and to keep it really simple, you know, I have this, I have a breath. You know, yes. none of us, yes. you know, the, the breath is a privilege. It's not a right. Yes. None of us know if this next breath is going to be there for yes. me. None of us. Yes. So yes. we're all subject to his will. Every yes. one of us yes. through the breath. And so, again, you know, if this breath stops, the conversation is over. There's nothing else. That's it. So each breath that we have, is a privilege, is a blessing. It's not a right. So it's true. A and when we see it for that, thank you for this breath. Thank you. It's that attitude of prosperity, of grace. All right, meditation seven, which is meditation for the negative mind. And this one is so important because I feel like so many of us have a negative mind or I should say a negative mindset where whatever comes in is just not good enough or we're out there judging people and that's very negative mm-hmm. or we're holding negative thoughts. So tell us, tell us Dr. Mukta, how, what meditation can we do to go from sort of negative to positive? Cause I think this is one of our biggest problems today. Right. Right. And um, you know, I must say, that the negative mind is not always negative. There are positive aspects to the negative mind. And the positive aspect is um, it's cautious. It uh, clears us of, of dangerous situations. You know, our, our alerts go up. When our negative mind is functioning in a positive way, it serves us when it protects us to dangerous situations. However, <laughs> when the negative is mind is negative, it drives us crazy and it makes life difficult and it makes um, people around us don't want to be around us. This meditation helps to shield us from negativity. It clears the mind of unwanted negative or fearful thoughts, protecting and promoting our well-being. All right, so how do we protect ourselves even from other people and their negativity onto us. How could we not be vulnerable and subject to this? Sometimes we could very politely walk away. However, not all times can we do that. Sometimes we just have to be there. And so this is a very, very sweet meditation to do, meditation for the negative mind. Again, we're going to sit with our spine straight, whether you're in a chair, or cross-legged on the floor. And the hands this time are cupped, so the sides of your, of your palms are going to be touching by your pinky and making up at your heart level. Your right, thing, your right hand is gonna cross over, sorry, your right hand is gonna cross over your left fingers. So the cup is like this, all right? So that's the correct way. 
Place the cup at the heart center. Elbows are relaxed at the sides. Eyes, again, are slightly open, just only one-tenth, looking down toward your, your hands. So it's nine-tenths closed, barely seeing your hands. And this time you're going to inhale deeply through the nose. And now exhale and round your lips and exhale through the rounded lips. And you'll feel the breath over your hands. Inhale through the nose. And now allow unwanted desires and negative thoughts to enter your mind. And this time, as you exhale through the rounded lips, exhale completely and let them go. So inhale and allow any unwanted desires or negative thoughts to enter your mind. This is all mentally. And then as you exhale through the rounded lips, let them go and you will feel the gentle breath over your cupped your hands inhale allow these thoughts and feelings to enter and then as you exhale completely let them go and just continue this for just a few moments inhale allow them unwanted desires and negative thoughts to enter your mind and now completely through the rounded lips, completely let them go and feel this very beautiful breeze over your fingers. And please continue for a few moments. And now inhale powerfully and exhale completely through your nose. Inhale powerfully. Exhale through the nose. One last time, inhale powerfully. And exhale completely. Let the breath go as you relax. That was lovely. Very simple. They're so simple. That's all it takes. I think that for the brain, we have to keep it simple. Anything too complicated and it just doesn't work. The thing is, you have to just do it. It'll work. Any one of these, you can close your eyes and pick one. It will, it will work. We just have to sit and do it. Yes, yes. How about meditation eight, which yes. is re reverse any negative attitude frustration? Okay, this is a two-part meditation. And it's very fun. So how are you going to do this one is the fingertips are very, very sensitive. All the nerve endings in the body and in the fingertips. And so we're going to move with the power of the beat of eight. So keeping the fingers tense the whole time. And you're going to move. This is going to be at your heart level. One, two, three, four, five six, seven, and on the eighth, you clap all the time, keeping your fingers very tense. You never release the tension. Keep them very tense. And you're going to move with the power of your breath, even open up your armpits, right? So really move very, very powerfully and vigorously 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, clap. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, clap. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, clap. Keep doing this for a full eight, uh, sorry, three minutes. This is to reverse any negative attitude, frustration, or depression. This two-part meditation immediately and spontaneously changes unwanted feelings and emotions to a positive and healthy state of mind. It reverses any negative attitude, frustration, or depression. It also helps break habitual patterns. Okay? So we're just going to keep the fingers tense and move with the power of the breath. Now this is at the heart level. Okay? And for those who are listening on the podcast, I just want to specify what Dr. Mukta is doing is she's um, doing the motion of clapping, but not clapping. So imagine if you were going to try to clap, but your fingers were not actually clapping. And you would they, do that they, until they the end. on the eighth. Exactly. So you would do it seven times without clapping and come as close as you possibly can. And then on the eighth time, you would actually be clapping. So that's the actual and it's a kriya more than a meditation am i right dr mukta yes yes it's and, and it's very very fun I and mean, we could do it um we could do it for a moment with some very very fun music yeah that'd be lovely okay so everyone please set yourself oh i like that okay so let's move with the power of the breath <laughs> Okay, so we're going to keep the fingers tense. Okay. And with the power of the breath, eight beats. Oh. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, clap. Three, two, three, four, five, six, seven, clap. Two, three, five, six, seven, clap. Good. Keep up, keep up. Perfect. Yeah, that's got a fun beat to it. I like it. It's very fun, and you could really have a good time. You could have a lot of fun doing that. And so we do that for three minutes. Okay. And then relax for probably one minute. And the second part is... What we're going to do is touch the pinky and the thumb. Again, these are pressure points of the nerve endings in our fingertips, and if you were to trace them, they go to the corresponding areas of the brain. So it balances the right and left hemisphere of the brain. Basically, this is a brain rewire. We're rewiring. I like it. Okay, so put pressure okay. on the pinky and the thumb, and all we're going to do is rapidly rotate at the heart level, you're going to move 
Again, with the power of the breath, only three minutes. So move rapidly with the breath. Try not to think, think, think. Just move. Move with the power of your breath. Keep the pressure. Move rapidly. Don't think. Perfect. Keep going. Move with the power of your breath. Good. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And now after three minutes, inhale deeply and exhale. This two-part meditation immediately and spontaneously changes unwanted feelings and emotions to a positive and healthy state of mind. It reverses any negative attitude, frustration, or depression. It also helps break habitual patterns. So the music I just added, and you could um, add any music you like, or don't do it with music. It's just your choice, whatever is fun for you. But you can have fun while doing this as well. Fantastic. All right, meditation nine, forgiveness meditation. Okay. And forgiveness is, again, one of those things. I think we're all carrying so much anger, sadness, hate, jealousy. We're just carrying so much, you know, the feeling of I was wronged. I know I carried it for so long. For so many years, I carried these feelings of I've been wronged, but my personality is I, I sort of keep things in. I don't put them out, and I certainly don't believe in tit-for-tat or revenge, so everything just kind of piles on and piles on and piles on, and, and at some point, you know, as we get older and older, this pile is so big that at this point, we're about to break mm -hmm. um, because we've been taking it in instead of responding, instead of sort of defending or responding or, or dealing yeah. with the situation. So I think forgiveness, I, I remember when I had my second health crisis, uh, one of the first things, um, three different healing, healing practitioners, energy healers, et cetera, said to me, including acupuncture therapist was, oh my God, we have really got to work on all the stuff you're carrying and we need to have you um, learn the concept of sort of forgiveness inside and just letting it go. So help us all do this meditation, Dr. Mukta, that can teach us the, the power of forgiveness and letting it go. And letting it go, very, very important. And what you said really pertains to almost everyone. And... Um, most of the time when we realize that perhaps we've hurt someone in the past, we ask, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Well, that person could say, yes, okay, you're forgiven, no problem. But what happens if they say, no, I'll never forgive you, never, ever? What does that do for you? You know, that, 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 that's devastating. And um, that could spiral us all the way back down again. But my point is, 
it puts us in a vulnerable situation, which we should never be. Because let's face it, it's 50-50. Either they're going to say yes or they're going to say no. But that puts you at a vulnerable, and we should never be that. So the beauty of this meditation is it allows us to go through a three-step process without uttering a word to another human being. And this is a real gift of the whole book. This one particular meditation is the, is the gift of gifts because we are all dealing with some relationship with forgiveness. So the first uh, part is if somebody has hurt or violated us and then we're, we're sitting with anger and resentment and we didn't even do anything, but yet we have the load of anger and resentment. These are very, very, very heavy loads that we end up carrying around with us all our life. No, that's not acceptable. From this moment on, we have the right to let this go. And so the mantra on this one, I forgive everyone for everything I have ever done to harm others. We just sit very quietly and mentally for three minutes. I forgive everyone for everything they have ever done to harm me. I forgive everyone for everything they have ever done to harm me. And as we mentally go through this mantra, just repeating it, let the anger and let the resentment be released. That is the beauty of this first part. We're in a safe environment. Nobody is going to harm us. Nobody is going to hurt us. And this is our right to let it go. And also, you can concentrate on one person or several. I forgive everyone for everything they have ever done to harm me. And so after three minutes, inhale and exhale. And then rest for one or two minutes, just long, deep breathing. Feel protected and feel safe. And the second part is sometimes in life we do. We've hurt other people. It may have been intentional, perhaps not. At this moment, it doesn't matter. This time, we're going to not only ask for forgiveness, but we're going to receive it. Mm. So granted. And as we do so, the guilt and the shame are dissolved gone. And the mantra, I ask for and receive forgiveness for everything I have ever done to harm others. I ask for and receive forgiveness for everything I have ever done to harm others. This is the opportunity to let the guilt and the shame go. Three minutes. And then the last part is on your back. And sometimes it turns into a self-hatred or self-animosity. This is not good. I self-hatred. These are very, very, very heavy loads. This time we have the power. I forgive myself. I dwell in love and light. I dwell in God. I forgive myself. I dwell in love and light. I dwell in God. <coughs> we do that for five minutes. And then a beautiful relaxation. The power of forgiveness transcends time and space and allows us to move forward with ease and confidence. As we forgive ourselves, 
forgive others, and receive forgiveness. Our hearts open to the light and love within. This is the best gift. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, let's go to meditation 10, breath of fire. That's one of my favorite meditations. Dr. Mukta, what's, what's the purpose of breath of fire? And then let's demonstrate it. <laughs> okay. Breath of fire is also, if you want to do one thing, do breath of fire. What breath of fire will do is it will help to uh, circulate the toxins that we have, either through drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or even just junk food. Um, there are toxins in what we intake. And so it helps us to move these through and eliminate out of the system. It's a heat producing, it's an energizing breath. If you want to get up and go and have that great energy, but you don't have a lot of time, go to the restroom in the middle of the day or start your day in the morning with one to three minutes of breath of fire. It will enable you to feel completely different. Now, again, we talked about breathing from the abdomen, so it might seem a little bit strange. You're going to concentrate on pulling the stomach in on the exhale. Just concentrate on pushing it in on the exhale. I know it seems awkward, but just concentrate. And after a while, you'll get familiar with it. It's not important how fast you go, but try to do it correctly. Pull the stomach in on the exhale. Keep going. This is one of the most powerful breaths in Kundalini Yoga. It releases toxins built up by substance abuse from the body. It enables lung capacity and strengthens the nervous system, which has been broken down through substance use. It also reduces addictive impulses for drugs, smoking, and other compulsive behaviors. So keep moving the navel point. Concentrate on the exhale as your stomach goes in. Inhale deeply and relax. If this breath is new to you, you could begin by sticking your tongue out and panting like a dog. This will force the action of the navel point and get you familiar with breathing, abdominal breathing. This is the great breath of fire. Enjoy. Ah, the great breath of fire, which some of you do hot yoga or Bikram yoga, you're probably familiar with the breath of fire because it's what you do at the very, very end. And they always say, this is going to breathe out the toxins and cleanse out the toxins. And what they don't add, what I will share with you, is that it creates a lightness. And I think, Dr. Mukta, you've been sharing this all along in this interview, that breath is life for brain. 
and it's that it's that energy and so when you when you breathe this way and the toxins go out and your body gets alkaline there is someone named Wim Hof and there's the Wim Hof breathing technique and a lot of that Wim Hof breathing technique also is a little bit like I think like the breath of fire and it's proven to create alkalinity in the body and it creates a sense of lightness the sense of peace it's so wonderful. You can do it anytime. I think you can do it like if you're going to go into a trough meeting and you're going to go into a negotiation, um, something where you feel you want to be fully present and you want to be at your very best. Exactly. Yeah, you're going into a competition, you're going into a tournament. I think Breath of Fire is just such an awesome, easy, free tool. Just go into the bathroom and do it quickly for a couple of minutes. Exactly. Right? It just switches your energy and gets yes. you right on target. Exactly. And the reason these things are not well known is because they're free. No one's making money off of them. So there is no PR agency for, for the breath of fire. <laughs> so Dr. Mukta and I are the PR agency for the breath of fire. And we're, we're highly recommending that you give this a shot. All right. Meditation number 11 which is cross-heart Kirtan Kriya. What is that? That's the first time I've heard of that, Dr. Mukta. Yes, Kirtan Kriya. By the way, this particular Kirtan Kriya has been medically researched, to, um, and the findings are it definitely benefits Alzheimer's and um, helps improve memory, and also is just this. This was the first meditation that Yogi Bhajan taught when he came to America. It's a wonderful Kirtan Kriya, it's called. And the mantra is Sat, which means truth, Nam, which means name or identity of the truth. And we're going to break it into syllables Sa, Ta, Na, Ma. So as we move with the fingers, Sa, the index and, and thumb are touching, and then Ta, the middle finger is touching the thumb. Na, the ring finger is touching the thumb. Ma, the pinky is touching the thumb. And so how we're going to do this is you're going to put pressure on each of the, remember the pads of your fingers. And this meditation stimulates the nerve endings in the fingertips, balancing the right and left hemisphere of the brain. This positively changes your habits and works through insecurities. Get ready. Your spiritual unfoldment is about to shift into high gear. So we start out doing it aloud. This is the voice of human. And then we'll do it in whisper, a strong whisper, the voice of lovers. And then we do mentally, silently, while keeping the fingers moving and the mantra mentally going in our mind. This is the voice of God. And so we could do this very equal time. You could do either one minute aloud, one minute whisper, one minute silence, and then coming out of it, another one minute. So that's two minutes in silence, one minute whisper, one minute aloud. Sa. Ta na ma sa ta na ma sa ta na ma. This is the best, the simplest meditation. You could do it at the heart, what they call cross your arms. So your 
your right hand is closest to your heart and then your left is over it. Sa, ta, na, ma. Sa, ta, na, ma. Sa, ta, na, ma. Very, very simple. Your eyes are closed. If you find you begin to space out and your mind begins to wander, just very, very gently bring it back to sa, ta, na, ma. Very simple, but very impactful meditation. The very first meditation that Yogi Bhajan taught. It's timeless. Try it. Wow. Beautiful. You mentioned that there's uh, science behind this or it's been clinically proven. Can you share some of the benefits from this? Yes, it improves memory and it helps us get to what we call our neutral mind. Neutral mind is you weigh the positive and the negative in each and every situation non-emotionally and then you come to a very neutral conclusion, free from emotion, free from confusion, free from mental talk, but um, get to that neutral place where you just know what the right thing to do is. So it helps us to, to train our mind. Remember, we're in training. We'll be in training the rest of our life. It's not like we ever graduate. It's a constant process because the mind has the ability to think of a thousand thoughts every blink of the eye. Can you imagine Every time we blink is another thousand thoughts. Our mind runs us ragged. We're exhausted and we haven't even done anything. But because our minds are so active, we, we end up being exhausted. And so what this does is it helps to narrow that so that we could become what you call one-pointed. One-pointed means I'm here. I'm with you. I'm paying attention. I'm only doing one thing you have my full energy i have your full energy it's a focus and you know it when you're like that or when you're with a person that is engaged with you not wandering not somewhere else not confused or emotional commotional that's what this does and it's all possible and it's all free and it's all yours so enjoy Ah, oh, so beautiful. So much power from free breathing techniques at the tips of our fingers, isn't it? It is. Isn't it? Absolutely. Incredible. All right, meditation number 12, meditation for habituation. What is that all about? Yes, well, this is called the mother of all meditations when it, can't, when it comes to breaking habits and addictive behavior. What... Uh, this is one of the best meditations specifically to promote rehabilitation from either drug dependence or any kind of substances. This could also include food. It, the pressure of the thumbs on the temples triggers in the brain, activating the pineal gland. This corrects an imbalance related to the persistence of addiction. This is all about rewiring our brain. We talked about the pineal gland. The pineal gland is the, is the seat of our soul. How we're going to do it is your hands are in fists. Your thumbs are at the temple. Now, how you find the correct location is lock your back jaw 
lock your molars, you keep your mouth closed, and now focus your eyes between the eyebrows and bite down on your back molars without opening your mouth. Vibrate the jaw muscle by pressing. You'll feel when you do that while keeping your mouth closed, there's a certain area of this temple that will move. That's exactly where your thumb goes. So very gently press it at that location. You'll feel the movement at your temple. That's where your thumb goes. And all you're going to do is keeping your molars locked. Now, bite down and mentally repeat sa. Bite down again, ta. Bite down again, na. Bite down again, ma. You're just going to repeat this over and over. You could practice and begin for even three minutes and build up five, seven, 20, up to 31 minutes every day. The pressure of the thumbs on the temples triggers a reflex in the brain, activating the pineal gland. This corrects an imbalance related to the persistence of addiction. This is one of the best meditations to specifically promote rehabilitation from drug dependence. This is what we call the mother of all meditations, specifically for changing habits and addictive behavior. Very, very specific and very effective. If you're serious about really wanting to change, any kind of destructive habit or thought, behavior that you have, consider doing this daily for 40 days. It takes 40 days to break a habit, 90 days to reinforce good habits. Start slowly. Even if you begin with one minute, make that commitment. Three minutes, five minutes. Just start and begin your journey. You will not be disappointed. I promise. Beautiful. Dr. Mukta, can this meditation be done anytime, anywhere? Or do you recommend it be done first thing in the morning, last thing at night? It's, you know, it's recommended in general just to begin our practice in the morning and to have a consistent time because it's reprogramming our patterning and it's setting good intentions and good habits. It also sets us for the day. It just gets us on track for the everything that's about to unfold during the rest of the day. So once we do some of our breathing, we do some simple yoga, we do some simple meditation, now we're ready. We've had our water, we're eating good, we're eating healthy food for life, and we're prepared for the onset of the day. Not to say that you cannot do it during the day and certainly before bed so you have a very peaceful sleep which addresses insomnia and some of those sleep problems that yes. are facing way too much sleep difficulties. But um, begin the day in a way that you have extra time even if you set the alarm 10 minutes earlier mm -hmm. that you don't have to rush and that you know this is designated time for me and my connection to my myself, to my creator. And this is my preparation for being ready for the day. 
I love it. And for those of you who are wondering how you are going to do these meditations and do them for 40 days so you can break some old habits and start crafting new, beautiful, healthy habits, we have health boot camps for that. And pretty much every single boot camp that we have starts your day with a meditation. So we're going to be hopefully working with Dr. Mukta to incorporating some of her beautiful meditations into the program. But start, start a health boot camp. And we're there for 97 days with you every single day, helping you do a, do a meditation, sending you reminders. Um, do check out healthbootcamps.com for more information. And with that said, Dr. Mukta, I want to thank you so much for taking so much time out of your day and sharing with all of our listeners and viewers some brilliant insights into addiction and giving them tools and technologies, really empowering our listeners with free, easy tools and technologies that they can get started with today, now, um, with these wonderful meditations you've taught. Of course, I want to mention to everybody else, check out the show notes. We're going to have a link for the book so you may purchase it. It has some great recipes, some wonderful healing juices and things like that that I'm sure you're going to want to get your hands on that accompany the meditations. It's a beautiful book. So I highly recommend you check out the show notes. And of course, all money goes to a great cause because um, the organization is an NGO. Dr. Mukta, any parting words of advice for someone who's dealing? I just want um, your listeners to know that if you have any questions, you could um, contact me directly, superhealth12 at gmail.com. And please know that on our website, we also have trainings information. And so they're open to everyone. This is a great opportunity. So the website is super-health.net. And you'll find that information about the next upcoming uh, specialty training that we have in Espanola is in March. So uh, you're all welcome to come. And again, contact me directly. Just in the subject, put that um, the health boot camp and I'll know exactly who you are. Thank you so much for joining us and spending time with us and enjoy the book. Wonderful. All right, everyone, stay smiling. I'll see you on another one of these soon. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.